Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil and my guest today is Alan Paul Silverstein. He's the CEO and president of Imagine AR. Super cool conversation we got to have about what he's done in the technology space, in the augmented reality space. What is augmented reality exactly? It's pretty much just Pokemon Go for a spoiler alert. It was so much fun to get to listen to him and talk to him and hear all the cool stories and how he's utilizing it for the sports and entertainment opportunity. So it was an absolute blast. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with Alan Paul Silverstein. All right. Today on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Alan Paul Silverstein, CEO and president of Imagine AR. Alan, I mean, we've been talking for like 20 minutes, but I guess, how are you today? We had the pre-show of the pre-show, and now we have the regular show, so we make sure we're covered. It's all good. Thank you very much. Appreciate you reaching out and having the opportunity to chat with you and discuss sports, certainly, and sports with augmented reality and some of the other things we've done in the past. And I'm very excited to get into it. You know, obviously what you're doing now is going to be a lot of fun. But as, as, as again, we've been talking for the last few minutes, I know some of the stuff you have done is also just as fun. But Alan, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Well, I think as, as and I have seen some of your previous podcasts, I think when you look back at childhood, you know, sports has played an important part of everyone's childhood, whether it's male or female, when you grow up. And it's something you bond with your parents, whether it's your father. I remember my dad coming back uh, after work at the end of the day, and I, we were big into Little League, and he wanted to make sure both my brother and I were both pitchers. So he used to have his work clothes on and then go let us pitch to him. And we both ended up uh, playing baseball, Little League. None of us made it to the high school, but we actually had those glorified Little League years, and it's something that always stayed with us, right? So as you grow up, and then the, for us back then, it was the big trip to go, go to see a team. We grew up out in Long Island, so Yankee Stadium was probably another half-hour commute. So we ended up, unfortunately, or fortunately during the glory years, started up with the Mets in Flushing versus the illustrious Yankees. But I, I made sure later in life with my kids, they grew up as Yankee fans, because I didn't want them to have the years of disappointment and dismay as the rest of the Mets fans have experienced. Well, good for your kids. They're <laughs> going to be happy moving forward, whether they realize it or not. So <laughs> it'll be less pressure. So, and sports, and I've coached both of my kids through sports also for many years. And I made sure that was important because sports teaches you a lot how to win, how to lose, how to play as a team, how to support each other. You're going to have those moments that are truly successful. You know, even winning a game and and my son was a pitcher and having those moments striking out and winning championships, but also giving up a home run and standing on the mound in front of hundreds of people and just standing there watching give up a game. So I think there's a tremendous amount of benefits to having kids grow up with sports and being part of sports. And I think that's why it's part of the DNA here in the United States and of many people. And it's something you can always, you know, you always say you share those moments. We remember when. Jordan hit the shot. I mean, how many people are watching Last Dance now and just reviewing and remember, oh, I remember that. And I, I do watch it. And I, the only thing I always keep looking is I never went and I never got to see him play. I grew up mostly as a, a hockey fan more than a basketball fan. But watching that kind of just brings back a tremendous amount of memories and thoughts. It's it's incredible. You know, just as you put, you know, the Last Dance, I mean, pretty much the internet stops Sunday nights from 9 to 11 now at this point. And that's kind of just what, People who love sports, we all are just watching it together. And it's kind of that camaraderie effect as well, which is that's something that comes from sports. You go to the game with your friends, you go to the tailgate, you go to the bar, you're all watching it together. It's that fun interactions with each other. And we don't have that right now, which is very, just very weird. And that's one of the things that you learn from sports. You know, the, you know, the, the locker room and the locker room talk obviously has gotten some negative connotations, but there is something real to that, you know, you pick your friends, not your family type attitude where right. you grow a bond with these people that you spend way more time with them than you do your actually fam actual family in most situations. I mean, in Little League, maybe not, but 
as you grow older, you're spending a lot of time with these people. And it's definitely something where we're kind of unfortunately missing out on it right now. Yeah, the pandemic has certainly had an enormous effect. And I think, unfortunately, as we go forward, it will impact the way sports are broadcast, sports are shared, sports are experienced. And like you said, it's really sports it, to me is like rock and roll concerts at times, right? You escape what goes on in reality and it just puts you into that world. You're not thinking of your day to day. You're not looking at what you're doing. It's something that hits your emotions, something you could share with a group. The high fives when it's a home run, right? You know, I, I was there with my son watching the Yankees win a championship uh, in Yankee Stadium, the older one. And it's something you always remember being there at that moment. You know, and it's funny when you look at sports now on the Internet and go back in the day when we used to be in the cave and, and watch hieroglyphics to read the news of sports. I still remember the Al Michaels call, Do You Believe in Miracles, where the game was played earlier, but there was no Internet. Right. So we didn't know, you know, as it came about that the American team, which was enormous. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to meet the Miracle on Ice team when I did the uh, phone cards that I discussed. Actually, we did some commemorative series with them. So it was kind of cool to sit there next to Michael Ruzioni and Ken Morrison, the team members of Mina. But sports is just one of those things, whether male, female, families, young, old, everyone could share. You know, I, I follow memorabilia closely. And even watching now, if you watch the auction houses, when you look at Babe Ruth autographed baseballs go up, they still go for five, seven thousand, ten thousand. And during this session, when uh, Last Dance is on, they were Jordan rookie card was on by an auction site. I believe it's not over yet. It's at forty seven thousand dollars for a mint Jordan rookie card. Just think of that. Just think of that in today's environment. And that's truly a bonding. Yes, it's an investment, but it's the emotional relationship with sports, which we always have. And hopefully we'll continue to have as we go forward as we adjust through the new, you know, what I call the new paradigm. Yeah, the new normal, you know, whatever that might look like moving forward is, uh, you know, we're not really getting the old normal back anytime soon if we do. No, um, and I don't think we're ever really going to see it in any. It, it, we'll see. I think things will come back closer, but I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way it was, which is really interesting when you think about it. You know, you've been doing something for so long and in the same direction, and I've been doing it for a significantly longer period of time because I'm much, much younger than you are. But I mean, other than that, you know, it's it's something that I've been just trying. It, it's it's interesting thinking about how I'm going to do it moving forward. And, and to that point, you know, you bring up the memorabilia part, you know, in You've been in technology space since about 1992. You you owned a baseball card business. There's there's the laugh. I called you really old. You didn't laugh before. Now you're laughing. I bring up ages. Oh, I was there when the tobacco cards were invented. That's correct. No problem, Mike. Tobacco cards. Ty Cobb and I were discussing or uh, with Honus Wagner card. I said, no, don't do it. Keep it short. Gretzky will buy your card for a million dollars at some point in the future. And hopefully he listened to you, but uh, tell me a little bit. You actually, I didn't know too much about the baseball card business. You didn't discuss that too much with me before um, you got into, you know, phone cards and, and more so in the technology space. What was it, you know, as you said before, it's the emotional connection and the, the nostalgia connection we have with memorabilia. What was it for you to start this type of business? Well, back in the day, you know, when people put baseball cards in bicycles so they can hear the clickety clack as they went around, I'm sure you read books about it and heard, you know, saw black and white movies about it as well. <clears throat> but back then, I used to actually collect them. So we were very much in because my grandmother owned a old style stationary coffee shop, not coffee, it was like a soda fountain shop, like the real soda fountains that you read about. And she used to have baseball cards, basketball cards on the counter. So when we used to visit her regularly, we used to go there and then I'd go to my grandmother and ask her if I can get them. And she'd say, you'd have to have some money. So I'd run over to my mom to go get, you know, a dollar. So, and back then dollar bought a lot of packs and starts collecting them and start seeing the players. And those were the rookie cards of, you know, it's funny when you used to do it young, everyone who's done baseball cards is the got them, got them, need them. When you would go through the baseball cards, I think as I look at it now, I can go to the Hall of Fame and go, got him, got him, need him as I went through the Hall of Fame because so many of them had ended up in the Hall of Fame, whether it be Nolan Ryan rookie card, Tom Seaver rookie card, and, you know, Mickey Mantles back then. It, it was a time. And it just was something that was part. But back then, we didn't have the sleeves, right? We didn't know about sleeves. We had, you would take your old sneaker boxes, and then when the sneakers were gone, you would put and sort your baseball cards in those, and eventually they'd end up in plastic pages. So that was something I did for years and always kept the collection. Nobody ever threw them, around, threw them out. 
And ultimately, I use that as a starting point, unfortunately, I guess as a point, is to continue that business and actually ended up, there was a time when baseball cards were really big, people were investing in them, the prices were outrageous. It was like an unregulated commodity. And there was actually an online trading board, and this is going back a day, it was called Sportsnet, and people would post what they want to buy and sell in baseball cards, and then you would just post them, it was unregulated, and cards would move up and down depending on the cases and what rookies were in them. And I had a business with a friend uh, from college, and that grew very quickly. So we ended up doing baseball cards that turns it into an enormous business of uh, selling, buying and selling cases of cards, not individual players. And that really was the revisiting back of cards. And then ultimately, I, I ended up in memorabilia and ultimately in phone cards. But the memorabilia part, which I discussed with you previously, all goes back to the name of uh, one of the greatest sports legends in history in any sport, certainly, is Muhammad Ali. And so, I mean, the the transition from memorabilia and collecting cards to phone cards and then, you know, what you're doing now is not a normal again going back to that new normal it's it's not a very like traveled path i guess which is kind of interesting like how did you get from this memorabilia business to now i mean we'll we'll take our time to get there but to now what you're doing with imagine ar you know it's kind of i never had exposure to the sports world in a way that people went into sports i never worked for teams i never had a sports marketing degree I was always someone who was out there for lack of an entrepreneur looking for opportunities sell and market and then work you know, enormous hours trying to accomplish it. Uh, and when the baseball car business hit its peak and then started going down, I ended up uh, in memorabilia very briefly, specifically with one one key piece. And then that ultimately led me to the phone card business only because some friend introduced me to a concept of a phone card. I'm like, what's a phone card? Back when no one knew what they were. And then looking at them, I was amazed by them and knew this is something back in the day when there were actually phones, pay phones on the corners around streets and people weren't running around with cell phones that people had to make calls. And it just interested me enough to say this is something to go to. And it originally started as a commodity, but ended up working with certainly a gentleman who's considered one of the greatest uh, boxing promoter managers in history, Shelley Finkel. Uh, and I met him through the Muhammad Ali Rope transaction back in the day. But then when I spoke to Shelly, I used to say, let's get licenses and put them on cards because similar to baseball cards, people can end up collecting them. But from the business standpoint, no one understood what a phone card was back then. They didn't understand that you take a plastic card, you're taking it down 800 number, and enter a pin number. What's that about? So we we basically went first. We went to the NHL, which was the first sports license. And they agreed because they never heard of phone cards and started that. Then we went to MLB and MLB players, and then off it went, and we continued forward all through the years. It's something that, so now the card represented making phone calls. Flat mm -hmm. card. And what's ironic, and you brought it, it's not a travel path, as I'm in day-to-day -day in the world of augmented reality, we ended up back in sports again, because sports brings attention to a technology. When you introduce new technology, sports is always a great way. Very visible, very noticeable. Uh, and certainly we're a public company, uh, the augmented reality companies, Imagine AR is actually traded on the Canadian stock exchange as well as on the OTCQB here in the US, So, it's, which is rare to have a startup on a public company. But using sports as a way to get the brand out, get the name, prove out your model, and then grow the business. Because sports brings you brands, it brings you other opportunities. And as you said, everyone bonds over sports. And we recently did a deal with the Sacramento NBA Kings, again, that then woke up a lot of new brands and opportunities that have contacted us as well. So to you, it's an unusual path to me. You know, I kind of feel like I'm reliving what I did with phone cards, like back in phone cards. No one knew what a phone card was. We started the industry. Maybe there was a half a dozen of us in the United States. We all knew each other having a tough time to sell. And we were the first ones. Our company back then was GTS and we made a big name, right? It was global telecommunication solution. It was me at a desk. Big name. We we grew pretty quick, uh, and with Shelley for certain, we grew from zero to like twenty million in three years, and went public on Nasdaq, starting in sports. And here in AR, it looks like the same thing: taking the sports, beginning it, taking new technology, and then growing the company from there. And um, I guess maybe normal wasn't the correct way to say it, but you are right. You are 
reliving every time is a flat circle, right? That's the common, common uh, statement that we hear a lot. You are essentially just doing it again. And I mean, you saw it happen once and you're, you're capable of being able to look back and say, I already did this different, little bit different technology to say the least, but I already did this. And so you're, you're put in a very unique position where not too many people have seen this all play out before. So, you know, granted it's going to look different, but it's some, some of it is absolutely going to be similar as you've already stated. You know, it's funny. They're both on the phone. One's with the car to dial it. The other one's on the mobile phone to experience it. So it is interesting. And no, I have had no technical background. I'm not this phone guy. I didn't grow up in the world of phone. Uh, my, bad, my dad was an engineer. He was not a telephone repairman. So I'll, it's kind of ironic when I look back on my life as I go forward. It's I'm not Alexander Graham Bell. I keep going back to the, to the phone in a different way. So that is it. You know, you're the first one to point out. I just realized it's all about the phone. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I could be part of your story now moving forward, which I'm excited about. And you brought up the Muhammad Ali robe. I know I'm not allowed to show it till later. So everyone will see it. I promise that. On yeah, the I, always, I always tell the Muhammad Ali story of getting the robe, but I've never shown it. So this one being more casual, you know, easygoing one, I actually found a picture. I didn't want to do a face forward because all stockholders, I'll see memes and I'll, I'll never live it down and see the end of it. But certainly the picture of me in the robe, and at the end of the story, if you want, I'll, I'll, if you want, I'll tell you the story of how I, I acquired the robe, and then you could show the picture after because everyone's like, you always tell the robe story, but nobody ever saw it. So I, yeah. I figure for this one, we'll, we will debut it on the love of sports for Michael. Look at that, and maybe this is maybe this is it. Maybe this is it, Alan. This is where I this is where I blow up, and it's all because of you. How's this that? Joe Rogan better look in his rearview mirror because you're coming in close. This is gonna be it. The the mover and shaker moment of life. I love it. I love it. So let's all write this date down. I think we got May 5th, Tuesday. Let's do it. But so let's let's talk about this. So what exactly is, you know, we, we spoke about kind of the technology aspect and what you're doing, but what exactly is Imagine AR? So Imagine AR, again, it's a public company for people to look up. So, you know, it's very undervalued, always so always told by the CEOs, but in this case we are. We actually have invested millions of dollars in building a platform, a high technical platform that delivers what's called augmented reality for mobile phones anywhere in the world. And you can do it within 60 seconds. And that, that's a pretty big claim. So let's back up what augmented reality is. Augmented reality, if everyone who's listening is familiar with Pokemon Go when it was big and everyone was running around with their phones and capturing the Pokemon Go, that was the tipping point of AR. Uh, AR, augmented reality, back then it proved out the model that people will walk around with their phone, there's a business model, and engage through their phones to kind of do it. And everyone's running around. We remember seeing the pictures in Central Park of crowds found a certain character and 8,000 people took over like a swarm running after them. That game alone has made $3 billion to date since 2016. So even though it's not as popular as visible, at the end of the day, that is $3 billion. We focus on giving brands and sports the ability to generate and create their own AR activations for fans, to engage fans in a unique way. And we work with a number of teams. So through the mobile phone, they could deliver, for example, a green screen of a player standing in your living room that you could take a picture of. They could do great moments in sports history of their specific team that you can scan with the phone by looking at their logo. And by the way, offer you merchandise or offer ticket experiences or other ways to engage. So it's a remote engagement using a mobile phone. And there isn't anyone who's here you know, in today that doesn't watch a TV or a screen without a phone in their hand. It doesn't exist. We've become, as I say, a two screen society, right? So you have your phone and you're watching a screen. And what we're seeing, and certainly today in the new COVID environment, COVID-19 and the remote live streaming, the social distancing, the ability that people could sit on the phone and then point the phone at a logo or something on the stream broadcast and activate an immersive AR engagement. It could be a player like right at the living room talking to them and buy the way unique experience or buy tickets or here's a digital collectible for watching our game today. So there's a lot of unique things you can do to engage and from the business standpoint, activate and build that community. Augmented reality right now is a four or $5 billion industry worldwide, still pretty big. It is estimated by many experts in the field of analysts, not from our side, but from certainly Wall Street and others, it will hit anywhere between 50 to 80 billion in four years. That is an enormous growth pattern. 
So we've invested, we've built the platform, we're ready to go, and we're already beginning to go out there and work with sports teams to deliver these engagements. So what we originally were focused on live sports. So if I go to a game, for example, with the NBA Sacramento Kings, you can walk around the concourse and our technology integrates with their existing app. So you just use their app. And then while you're there, you get a notification, hey, there's an AR experience for you to enjoy right here. And then you take it out and there's one of the players in full uniform standing there in front of you or doing a TikTok dance that you can go and stand next to and do a TikTok dance or a merchandise offer, or they receive a coupon, they could take right to the counter and say, hey, by the way, you just got a dollar off getting a hot pretzel. So that ability to do that is unique and different. That's never been done before. And it's a unique fan engagement. And in today's environment, it's something that a lot of teams now are starting to look at as fans are remote. We don't know what's going to come out the other side, not only in stadium, because again, they might do seating capacity could be greatly reduced. They could do what the over in Asia they're doing. Was it Japan or Korea? They're doing their CGI in an audience while watching the game or they're putting cardboard cutouts in the stands. So while people are at home, teams still want to build that relationship, create that moment, that that that's emotional tie that we like by doing that, using a mobile phone and having that engagement. So while I'm on the phone, I'm going to see a player. I'm going to hear something. I'll have merchandise offers. So it is interactive. And mobile phone will be the focus. And then ultimately, in the next couple of years, it will transition to wearing lens-like glasses both of us are wearing. The, gl the glasses will be powered off of the phone, Bluetooth. So while I'm watching a live stream, whether it's sports, even rock and roll streaming, which is picked up, you'll see offers and things come up. I, I, I always tell people it's like watching Minority Report come to life from the time. Love it. That's where we're going. And it'll be personalized and engaging. I think it's it's very important to understand where sports, you know, again, you, you make the incredible analogy that with sports, that is what's going to help explode this technology because so many people watch sports. So many teams are looking for more opportunities to engage. And this is easily one of the most interesting. It's, it's a new, it's a new way to engage. So teams are going to be interested. As you said, you already signed with the Sacramento Kings. So congratulations on that. I guess one thing that I'm always curious about, especially with AR is, I get definitions maybe I think is very important. You know, you and I spoke about it on the phone and I want to bring it up here because I think a lot of people don't understand that Dallas Cowboys thing that we all saw at the beginning of last year, if I'm not mistaken with five G's here and now all this stuff is going to be possible. turns out that's not even AR, which you let me know about that. Correct. So it's like, how, how are you really making sure people understand because AR and VR are probably the exact same things to my parents. They wouldn't have any idea what the heck's the difference or why they need to know. So I guess, could you explain a little bit of that side of the business and really getting people to understand what the heck you're talking about? That's a good point. And fair enough, if your parents don't aren't sure AR VR, but have they programmed the VCR so the 12 o'clock disappears? That is the question for you today, Michael. Do, I don't think they have. I actually, maybe my mom was using her VCR recently, but I am not sure. That's a great question. I do not know the answer. You report back. So VR is all encompassing. Everyone's familiar seeing the big headset that you used to put your phone into and you have mm -hmm. a headset on. And now if you look at Oculus has done a tremendous job in providing a, a phenomenal VR set, the hive out there, it's all encompassing. So you don't move. It's mostly gaming focused in a singular location. The world is opaque and you're immersed in it, right? So no matter where you look up, down, side to side, you're immersed in that world. And that is virtual reality, VR. Normally, those experiences are limited for a set period of time because after five, 10 minutes, sometimes people start getting dizzy, they get nauseous, the movement, but it's fully immersive. But it's a singular one-person activation, like we call. Augmented reality is phone-based, so I could be social. It's using a mobile phone. And by the way, there are over 5 billion mobile phones in the world today and still growing. That's an enormous population of phones. So we looked at AR as an opportunity just because the significant population of phones and the ability to engage. And you look at sports teams, well, everyone has a mobile phone. It's a, a quick, easy way to build what we call an activation and engagement with an individual. So with a phone, you can download an app on the phone. We have the Imagine AR app that exists. We also have an Imagine AR SDK, software development, that plugs into an app. But so that case, I can see the real world around me. I'm not stopped from moving around, talking to friends, having that social experience, and then point my phone at something, either GPS location like the Pokemon Go or looking at a logo. And I see the activation. So it becomes more of a social engagement, right? 
with the Dallas Cowboys, they did a great job in getting out there. They called it augmented reality, and they set up the machines all around the concourse, and it was cool. You everyone waited in line, and it got great, you know, viral experience. You walk up, you push the buttons of which players you want to be, you back up, and you stand on a circle, and it takes a picture of you. That reminds me of the photo booths that you see at weddings and bar mitzvahs and social gatherings. That's not AR. That's a photo booth that takes the images of the picture there. And yes, it's augmented in a sense. If you really want to look at a definition, they're putting you next to players, but it's a photo booth that they just put the, the pictures in. What you do with mobile phone is you look through the phone and project the digital information on top of the real world. So as I look around, I could see it. There's a player standing there. There's a merchandise. There's a video. That's a different way to do it versus like, and that's why I said it's not real AR when the Cowboys, but we like seeing that because it brings to attention the world they are. AR is a, a technical word, right? I wish there was a better word to come up with it, but that is the word today. And maybe someone will come up with uh, a better word for it. And that was great because you need to educate the market. When you look at a market growth of $4 billion to $50 billion in four years, there's a lot of successful AR that's got to happen to get there. It's not going to be something done. Yes, we're a small company. I'd love to be the $4 billion, but that's a lot of cohesive people going out there. Apple, Google, Facebook, Snapchat, Disney, Microsoft, Sony, they are all spending hundreds of millions of dollars right now for AR. You're seeing AR get into cars. You see AR getting into manufacturing where people wear headsets that project overlays of what they're fixing. So there's a tremendous opportunity in that market. Yes, in sports for sure, but you're gonna see expand other areas. Tim Cook, I think uh, a month or two ago was quoted in Europe that he expects AR to be the next big thing after mobile phones. That's how much they're investing in it. So when he says something like that, you got to realize the value of what he's seeing in it. And in sports, to me, it's just the next level of engagement. And as we do come out of the other side, as we said, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, the ability for 50,000 people sitting next to each other at a stadium, when's that going to ever happen again? Versus is there a balance of home streaming, OTT, and stadium all providing a mixed experience to fans? But I want to connect from a team's perspective to all those people, the people sitting in the living room, the people who may be at the bars, the number of people in the stadium. And how do I build a program? Mobile AR is a great way to do it. And I think it's, again, just going back to the engagement opportunities. And we're going to get into some of these stories a little bit. Um, you know, Stitch Duran, Tyson Fury, the Basketball Hall of Fame. There's a lot of different things that I'm excited to talk about in the next half an hour. But I do, you know, it's just such an interesting topic of conversation where I don't really get to talk to people who are very, very immersed in it. So I appreciate you answering some of these more rudimentary questions. But I think I'm closer to the average than you are, to be honest with you about it. So I do appreciate the, uh, you know, answering some of these with with good, great answers and giving me just the understanding of what we're working with. And then I guess just to kind of take it one level deeper, I'm assuming you saw the movie Ready Player One, correct? Great movie. I, I well, saw parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I did expect Ready Player One. I actually had the expectation. It's funny you brought it up. I thought that would help take VR to the mainstream, right? The immersive, put yep. on the headset, put you in a gaming world and off you go. So I did. I'm familiar with it. Where does that fall on that timeline, though, with the, the haptic feedback and the actually having to, having to move, not timeline, I guess the spectrum, having to move around? Like, where is that, again, augmented reality virtually? Like, where does that fit, I guess? So, again, that's VR. So I'm staying in a singular location and having that activation. You are seeing now VR locations. Uh, there are physical places like warehouses. I forgot the name of the company. They actually create like a 10-foot, 10,000-foot warehouse. And you would walk around the warehouse with VR glasses and you'd go around and have the feel that touches if you're really in there. But again, it's a singular experience or in that case, they had teams, but it's very minimal in terms of the group experience. I think you're years away from that in a sense that we got to go one step at a time. I mean, Pokemon Go was enormous, but now you don't hear anyone talking about it. But that was the first time someone married a phone with overlaying, looking through the phone to ultimately see an experience, quote, in the real world. AR will lead the next direction. Then we're going to go to AR glasses. So as I'm walking around like Times Square, I could look up at a billboard and I'll see an ad come up right at me. Like a whole dinosaur can come at me and say, by the way, come see the Ripley's, believe it or not. And here's a coupon right now if you'd like it. And that's off of 
eye tracking that's built into the lenses. And there are quite a number of startups right now that are doing this. There are new companies that are out there. There's one called Unreal. There's other companies, startups north up in Canada that are creating glasses that people can interact with. When I look at the ability to go to where you say Ready Player One, we've got to have the next paradigm. And I think it's going to be an AR, which is everyone is looking towards Apple, right? Apple with the iPhone, Apple with the iPod. Apple has announced they're coming out with AR glasses. And they were originally supposed to be 2020. I think they realized what everyone realized in the industry, the market's still learning what AR is, augmented reality, just on a mobile phone. So you're, you're so far ahead of the market and they pushed it back, I think, two to three years to 2022 or 2023. If that comes out, you'll see that engagement opportunity where now I'm in the real world through glasses and I'm overlaying, I'm seeing that stuff. I'm not going to be immersed like, again, like Ready Player One, but you're seeing a tremendous amount of investment with Oculus. A lot of people are enjoying it. The VR is growing significantly during this, this situation where people are home, but to get to that next level, I think you're still probably you know, five years away plus, but I think AR is a stopping point, a starting point to get to that point to ultimately get to that, that, that experience. Exactly. It's not just a, you know, that's not one step. There's a couple, there's a path to get there. And I think that that makes sense and getting people used to wearing those glasses. And I had one of the first Oculus like headsets where you've stuck your phone in it and it was awesome, but you're right. I think I used it for about five to 10 minutes and then my head really, really hurt, but it was beautiful. It was fun. You know, I put it on my grandma's head. She was flipping out. She was like, what's going on? So it was a blast. And, and to go back even further, I know you and I spoke a little bit about it when we were, when we spoke on the phone, but I mean, the Google Glass, like, you know, it's it's funny how you say, you know, Apple in 2020 is going to be ahead of the curve. And I know Google Glass wasn't exactly one to one, but I mean, that came out. I feel like that came out early 2010s, maybe even oh something. Right. like, tell me what did what did they do wrong or what did they do right to, I guess, set up the industry a little bit more for where we're eventually going. I remember what people do wrong, right? It's you're continually going to develop. You're going to iterate. You're going to keep growing and invest a lot. So their goal was to create something that would be like a browser in your eye, right? That you'd wear this cool lens, unfortunately is priced way out of the standard consumer marketplace. And the, the value of it, of browsing a web on your glass, you know, having the ability to see that, but not interact in a way like AR would do or VR was the limiting factor. But it was the first step to go eyewear, right? I mean, we gotta look at even Alexa and Amazon in our house. How many people have invited to have Alexa I use it to play music, but then I unplug it because I don't want to sit there listening all the time where all of a sudden you start getting these offers and orders are coming in. And whoever thought voice activation would become such a natural part of our lives. And it is right now, right? Same thing with Google Glass. It's an evolution. And then now they came out with Google Glass again, 2.0 version, tying and targeting the industrial world, the production, manufacturing, great way to have a headset overlay hands-free, and then see the overlay of information as you're working on a machine or repair a machine or how to train someone to do machinery or industrial work. Great opportunity and application. So yes, it wasn't successful commercially, but it was a cool fashion statement. If you lived in Silicon Valley or Brooklyn, you were cool. You could walk around with the glass down the street and show you're the man because you had that opportunity to really school people. Not that it was useful, but at least made you have interesting conversations when you went out to bars and social situations. Yeah, those people, um, you know, kudos to them for actually wearing that out. Cause while it was, it was it, like, it was so hip, it kind of hurt, like how futuristic they tried to make it look. And hey, I mean, I don't know. I never. The turtleneck, the black turtleneck had to go with it, with the jeans, had the look, that the whole, it was, it was truly Brooklyn and Silicon Valley. You were the man. I love it. I didn't, I've never actually seen one. I've never put one on. I've always wanted to. And hopefully in the next couple of years, when some of this stuff becomes a little bit more, uh, relevant not relevant a little bit more common it, it'll be nice and easy so let's hop into some of these stories actually no one last thing about sports i wrote down here that i think is really interesting that you brought up when we spoke before is you tying this back to again what you used to do with baseball cards and how right. there's now going to be potentially these digital tokens these digital cards that people can go and collect which again i think is fun because it's kind of a full circle story to your life i mean that's like three of those at this point so that venn diagram is very specific but Tell me a little bit more about this and I guess what you're seeing in this area when it comes to VR and almost that the collector mentality of going around and kind of like that Pokemon Go part. Absolutely. That's fine. You're good. You, rem you remember that. So, yeah. So Rogan has nothing on me, man. I'm telling you. That. 
nothing. Yeah, outside of you got more hair than him and you got to cover it, nothing on you, nothing. And you don't even have to do testing to have the interview here. You do it remote. He brings them in the studio. So when you look at the market, people are always collecting for the emotional attachment, right? You always bring something that reminds you whether it's childhood or where you grew up or something that in your life really touches emotionally. So we've gone through baseball cards. You've gone through collecting memorabilia. And I truly see that the next step that's going to happen, and again, with today's social distancing or remote, it actually brings it up even further, is the digital collectible world. That you gather these tokens, whether it's at a specific event or you're live streaming an event and you point your phone at it and you gather a token. And that token can be a digital collectible. Uh, I don't know how deep to go with this, Michael, because how do you know it's real? Well, they tie these digital collectibles to something called the blockchain. The blockchain, as everyone has heard, if you're in technology, is the ability to basically track the authenticity and uniqueness. When you're baseball cards, you get a baseball card, you send it to Beckett, you ask him to grade it, they put their stamp on it, they get it back, and it's a graded as a 9 or a 10 in perfect corners. See, Michael, I still remember that stuff. Back in the old days, we would take stones with hieroglyphics of Babe Ruth and we'd, we'd grade the stone edge. So when you look now, it's going to be digital where there'll be a numbered and authenticity that's written in blockchain. So I know that when Michael got that card, where he got that card, and if he goes to sell the card down the road, there'll be exchanges for these digital collectibles. They'll be able to track the history so there'll be no more fraud, no more illegal ones. It'll all be tracked digitally. You'll, you'll already see digital artworks that are being put up for sale out there where people create a digital artwork, tie it to, again, something called the blockchain, which is smart way of maintaining the information on varied servers throughout the internet. So it's not in one server. It's all shared in this mathematical algorithms of time together. Make sure you're the only one who has unique. So a one of 10 truly is a one of 10. So let's look at mobile AR. I'm sitting here watching a live stream of specific game and that, and I earned enough rewards by pointing my phone at that. I got a digital collectible of game seven of the World Series, a certain game. And by the way, it has a digital e-signature of a player. I got it on my phone and that's it. No one else can have it. I could post it onto Instagram. I could share it, but no one has the actual one. And then there's going to be exchanges that are going to become the trading point. You're going to see inherent value. And I know this sounds almost crazy, but... You know, I was people when we did the Mickey Mantle phone cards, I think I told you we had the opportunity to work with Mickey Mantle. We those cards used to cost or we were printing such fine, maybe 10 cents a card. So we sold them in a set of 10, which cost what a dollar. They sold for $60 a set. They sold out. And then in the secondary market, they actually ended up going at peak at about 200 250 dollars a set for those cards. When you look at e-digital collectible, no one's going to walk around with baseball cards, right? but to have their mobile phone. So I can have my collection on my phone tied to blockchain. And that's how you're going to see an exchange start coming out. There'll be licensed cards, and that's where I, I predict it's going to go. Now, eBay started back in the day when he just wanted to pick up the, uh, what are those, candy, the picks, the, the, the dispensers, right? He just did that for his girlfriend and created that and ultimately ended up becoming eBay. I think you're going to see digital collectibles, which are going to be tied to sports, players, events, moments in time, whether I'm at home streaming or I'm at a specific event. And then that's going to become a new exchange. And then people will be exchanging that. So they'll have their collection will no longer be in shoeboxes in the closet. They'll no longer be in plastic sleeves. It's going to be on your mobile phone. And I think it's it's it, you're already starting to see it happen a little bit with baseball cards already they're already you know there was you know as you said like once the baseball card industry started going down it's i think if, if i'm not mistaken 79 or 80 is when they just started to mass produce the hell out of these things so they weren't nearly as rare anymore so it's not nearly as interesting if everybody has one who cares now right. they're you're seeing like the uh i actually had a gentleman on the show um andrew diamond he was a part of tops and he was actually a part of the team that created tops now which is where Every night they would they would make one baseball card. They would do it in very, very limited release and it would go out with the, the biggest one or at least the one that really brought it to light with the Bartolo Colon home run. When he hit his home run, they decided they made a card. It was of his swing and, you know, his helmet's flying off or whatever. It's the night he hits the home run. The 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 impossible has happened, as Gary Cohen liked to say, or however the, the call went. And that really blew up that opportunity. And now you're starting to see, especially in quarantine, or at least maybe it's just the content I'm paying attention to. A lot of people are still very much into baseball cards, but I agree with you. This extra layer of immediacy, I think is what's really going to help immediacy and exclusivity 
with something like a digital token, a digital card, you know, a digital signature, where if only legitimately one person can have it, or only legitimately a few people can have this, it's going to be able to, again, just engage these fans to just just ratchet that thing up to 11, because this is going to be something where people, specifically ones that care about, you know, collectibles and that nature, which there's a huge, huge amount of people that do. I think this is going to be absolutely just mind blowing and, and game changing for the engagement side. Yeah. And let's take two parts. How many people lined up when the, I think I just saw it in the newspaper yesterday, the day before when the, on the COVID-19 opening up, how many people lined up for the new Jordan airs? So imagine I had the Jordanaire sneaker, and I think I saw lines on site. It was amazing. It was hundreds of people, right? They always sell out. So imagine I got the Jordanaires, and then, A, I pointed it at the sneaker, took a photo of it, and then I certified that, that I registered those Jordanaires because so many people now sell them on a secondary market, and they keep selling them. So if I'm sitting there at home and I'm watching Game 7 of basketball, you know, when Jordan hits the shot, they win the game, and then I was watching a live stream, then boom – I got a token right off of my screen that got on my phone that I was there and I watched it. No one else gets it or anyone who's in the stadium in the arena at that point, they drop one there with our, our technology. We can actually drop something in that. Everyone can grab it. They keep it. It's tied to black. That's it. They leave. There's no one else. You know, how many people always said they were there at the event and they really weren't right. So this becomes a validity, that proof of presence capability that, Hey, I was not over there. Here it is. Well, I was there. You know, how many people at Woodstock? 30 million people at Woodstock, but I don't think there were. So imagine having that proof of presence relationship as a collectible that's tied to an event or to certain players, tied to certain things. And I think that's where we're going to go. And as we continue through this new paradigm and shift, this is going to become a way for sports teams to engage the fans. We just did a deal with Slap It On. We announced it's a five-year deal. It's former athletes Johnny Damon, Troy Aikman. Uh, Mike Vanderjack is the uh, CEO and founder. I talk to him all the time. We're excited. Mike Badano's there, I think, too, to create, the, in their case, using decals on the wall or other things, and then point your phone at it and get these special activations with the collectible, with the voices, and tie in that whole business, getting news with celebrities, whether it's new songs from artists who are very popular. It's a great business model Slap It On has, and we partnered with them for five years, again, focusing on that building that community and relationship of collectibles too. And I think it's one thing, you know, as you said, with Pokemon Go, just it kind of in- engulfed the entire country. I mean, I, I was a part of it, and-, and it also helped they use the old Pokemon, which was the ones I grew up with. So I was like, hell yeah, what's the one thing I thought when I was like 11 years old every day is like, I wish I could just run around and catch Pokemon. And they literally gave me the opportunity. So of course I went out and played it. But as you said, you know, it made $3 billion in, you know, only a couple years. And that was at least brought VR to the forefront. And the more, I apologize, I apologize, AR. And the more people get used to it with things like slap it on with the opportunity to go in stadium and have the guy over the, Hey, everybody take out your phone and make sure you go into the King's app and you do X, Y, and Z. That is once it just becomes more and more integrated and normal, my parents, like we were talking about before, it's going to be a lot easier for them to do that than it is to reset that VCR to actually have the real time and not just have 12 o'clock showing at all times. So I think that's going to be the fun part. And again, the easiest and best way to do that is integrated through sports. And that's what we found. Exactly. And it is that emotional attachment. We're doing something now with the Cincinnati Reds AAA team, uh, Louisville Bats, their president, Vic, sweetheart of a guy very well known in the industry, we we offered him kind of like a free Pokemon Go, but to help his restaurant partners for free, we set up his mascot at his partner-sponsored re- restaurant locations around the stadium. Chick-fil-A's, Hardee's, all these restaurants. So people, for fans, he promotes it on a webpage. You call up the restaurant, you put in your order, it's curbside pickup. When you go there, the mascot is sitting there. You take out your mobile phone, use Imagine AR, our app, It'll say AR near me, and you can take a picture with the mascot at the location or just take it you know, with you standing next to it, post it into social media, and certain fans will win free tickets, free memorabilia, autograph stuff, and other experiences. It's a way to help the local restaurants to drive people there to purchase food who are having a very difficult and challenging time in today's environment, and then also give that little sports tie-in to build that community. And we announced it, and that, that's up and running and successful, and then less than 24 hours – uh, team, the Allen Americans, who I didn't even know they existed in the ECHL, 
They called up and said, we want to do the same thing. And they did the same program. Again, we offered it for free in today's environment. We want to help restaurants and help sports teams help the restaurants. And they did the same thing. And they love it. Where people, again, look at that engagement. It's I'm on my phone. So I have that tie-in with the sports. I'm not in a stadium. I'm not necessarily handing something, but I'm helping the restaurants and then getting some memorabilia, getting a mascot interaction, maybe getting tickets to a game or even an experience. So it's a cool way, like you said, sports goes together. What is it? Apple pie, sports, and and mom. With Mother's Day coming up as well. Yes, Mother's Day. And my mom's birthday is the day after Mother's Day. So she gets that double whammy present, which is kind of unfortunate for her. Well, let me throw, I have to do a commercial endorsement then. So with a company called Field of Flowers in Florida, they are doing the first AR Mother's Day uh, product ever in history in the world. What's so the app? How do I download it? And so you, if you live in South, you have to be in Miami. So there you go. It's not, it's not, they're testing it out, but it's going to grow. So what they're doing is they're offering on their website, the ability to buy Mother's Day bouquets and flowers. And when you order it, it says, please tape a 15 to 30 second message to your loved one, which you videotape on your phone. And as soon as you're done to submit the order, that video is delivered to her house so that it actually sits at the house like a Pokemon Go. The video sits there. When the flowers are delivered on Mother's Day, you open up the flowers besides the beautiful bouquet from Field of Flowers. It'll say, hey, download the app, point your phone here, and up comes the video right in the living room, wherever they are. And there's your video, like a 60-inch HDV sitting in the living room talking to the person. Pretty cool, right? That's incredible. So they're getting a bunch of orders for it. It's the first time it's ever done in history. So AR has unique opportunities. It's like I said, putting an athlete into your house. Here, in this case, giving your video message into the house. Social distancing, remote, healthy. This is where AR is going. And the clients we get are the creative people, right? They're the smart ones who figure this out. So it's nice to work with such smart people who are advanced. Uh, shout out to Don Philipsy and Abner over at Field of Flowers. They came up with it. And they have double-digit orders now. They said every day they're getting orders for doing it. So it's pretty cool to, to start new stuff. And like I said, it goes back to the day with the phone card. The first greeting cards that ever came with a phone card was my company, we did them in English and Spanish. And I used to walk the streets around Jackson Heights and sell greeting cards that said, call me. I miss you. I, you know, call me to tell me I love you and came with a five minute phone card. Those were the first ones ever done ever. Wasn't as successful as Hallmark. Hallmark did a bigger job on theirs back then, but I'm hoping we do better this year. Well, let's, I'm going to cross my fingers. And if there's anything we can do, believe me, I want to hear about it. So you, uh, I have up on my browser right now. I have about, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pictures. One okay. I have to save till the end the one to the end i have you to know, save one till the end and i just want to make sure which one it is yep i got it there so we're good you, the hair man i have to say the hair is fantastic but we'll move on so i want to um so i have one here imagine park entertainment uh looks like there's a football player on a football field so i want to share some of these pictures and i just want to hear i guess the stories around them how this comes about and what you do if that's all right all right go for it perfect so i just want to make sure that i have clean pictures i sent you <laughs> stop it you're terrible um, all right. So it looks like we have one up now. So yeah, tell me a little bit about, you know, what this is, I guess, where the ideas come from and how you guys are able to bring these to life like this. Right. So the company now is not named Imagine AR before is Imagination Park. Uh, Imagine AR is the app. So in this case, we work with the Arizona Rattlers, an indoor football league team out of Arizona. Uh, we have a gentleman, Neil Badesky, who is very involved in sports, former head of, uh, VP of marketing, sponsorship for the Miami Marlins. He also was with the uh, the Miami Heat. So he's very involved in sports. So he knew, reached out to the owner's Rattler to do AR. So this is one of the most advanced early ones ever done where you point the phone with our app. And at that point it was at their program and they did green screen little movies of their players. So when you point it at the program, it looks like he stood at top of it and he was throwing the football up and down and actually take off his helmet and talk to you. So it's sort of like, I always call this the Obi-Wan Kenobi activation, right? Where he just comes up like Star Wars and could talk to you. Pretty cool engagement. And while they do that engagement, then a coupon could be delivered right to the phone that they could take to the merchandise and get 20% off a shirt. So this is the indoor football league off of their game game. And that is during a real game. Like that is through someone's phone with him. And in the background, that is the indoor game going on. That is pretty cool. And I like the fact that, it, as you said, it's the green screen. So it's actually just a real person that's sitting there. I know a lot of them will get to it. They're a little cartoonish, if I may. Um, I think this is a really cool way of doing it as well. But I'm sure there's positives and negatives to both. This was, you said, one of the first ones that you were ever a part of? 
Yeah, we created this one. And this is the, probably one of the first ones done in the industry. I don't know. Again, I'm showing you some kind of cool activation. Yeah. I don't think anyone else did this at this point. So we were ahead of the curve in doing this, correct? Uh, we're going to the next slide. I feel like with the home movies. Next slide. Love it. All right. That one. Yep. <laughs> we'll get this, I promise. So I got, um, which one is this? I just want to make sure. Okay, now we're going to go to the basketball hall of fame uh we got a couple here from the basketball hall of fame as well so, so the i just want to make sure let's see the basketball hall of fame wanted to promote and that's dominique wilkins right there and this is actually how we do the photo shoot with the green mm -hmm. screen so it doesn't show the actual activation if you wanted to see the actual one and there's like seven hall of famers who were there we did this on the night of inductions they had a fundraiser there's a new basketball hall of fame coin that's out that's actually curves by the u.s Mint. it's the first time there's ever one like that and it's coming out i believe in june so they wanted to announce it and promote it to their audience so using imagine AR mobile app we set up to do a green screen shoot of their athletes this is dominique wilkins I think I sent you another one. We had Rick Barry there. And if, for those who are sports fans, remember Rick Barry. Rick Barry is the underhand shot, right? He used to sit there. Uh, and it was kind of cool meeting those legends. We shot this green screen. There he is during the night of the inductions of this season in 2019. So whoever was there, we were able to bring up, basically have them go and do the promotion for Imagine AR as a video. And again, you can see that on the ImagineAR.com website under clients to see this basketball of fame. And they actually promoted. So there we shot the whole thing on green screen. And then when you point your phone at the Hall of Fame logo using Imagine AR, he would come up as if he's standing there talking to you. So it was kind of cool to meet Rick Barry, Nancy Lieberman, Dominique Wilkins, talk to him. I mean, these are some of the heroes, you know, I grew up and watched. Uh, we had them sign a board like we had a whole big, you know, welcome to them. And they all signed it as well. So it was kind of a cool experience to talk to them and, and explain AR to them. And it was a lot of fun to do that. So that's a promotion that's going on with the Hall of Fame to promote their new coin. And you could see that as well today. And so with how, how was it explaining and talking to about my parents a little bit earlier, like how was it explaining <laughs> it to these guys and getting them to, to understand like the capabilities and how, again, it's going to engage fans even further again, coming from that aspect and how it's going to help their sport in particular. You know, a few of them got it pretty quick. The other ones weren't quite sure. We would show it to them through the mobile phone. Most of the response was, wow, that's cool. That's interesting. Uh, there was a script that the Hall of Fame had for him, which is pretty cool. So Rick Barry walked in, kind of fun. You know, it's Rick Barry. I was like, that's a, that's a cool name. You know, that's, that's a legend. He read the script once. He looked at it, he goes, got it. He went on the green screen and he said the whole entire, like, 30-second script, you know, right off the top of his head without even flinching. So... I was actually more impressed how they did that, Michael, versus how they were impressed with mobile AR. But they were interested, at least it's a new tech out there. And they found it. And they had a lot of fun. I mean, some of them, if you watch the video we did, some of them did some fun things. They enjoyed it. And they were wonderful in supporting the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, that was me after I ate half a buffet. I, hopefully, I lost some weight since then. I, can't, I, I look like I think I swallowed two basketballs while I was at the Hall of Fame. Uh, that guy should look awfully familiar to basketball fans. I think you recognize him pretty quick as well. He was sitting in chairs most of the time. If you look behind him, he actually stacked up three or four chairs on top of each other. And then he sat on that because he had a long line of people who want to take pictures of him. But I had the opportunity to see him as well. The infamous Mr. Walton. What are you laughing at? I, Mr. I, Bill Walton. He's one of my favorite commentators. I always... Go ahead. I love watching him in those Pac-12 games at night when he just goes crazy and just says all the weirdest, weirdest stuff. It's it's an absolute blast. And he is just an all-around great guy. And again, just the opportunity. And, and again, that's why I'm really excited to be able to show these pictures and hear these stories because with AR and with these opportunities, there's so many different avenues that we can help, especially in the sports area. As we already spoke about with fan engagement, I think one thing that we can do a little bit further is, is pay homage to some of these legends. You know, there's a lot of people that watch the NBA that have no idea who Dominique Wilkins is and Rick Barry are just the only, they only know their name and they only know some of the statistics that they have to. So being able to help people understand who these guys were and, and some of those opportunities are going to be fun. And then we already also spoke about what um, you were talking about with the Cincinnati Reds and their AAA team and the opportunity to help, you know, the community, which I think is really cool. So there's multiple different facets where sports can be impactful. And through AR, they can be even more impactful now, which I think is pretty damn cool. Absolutely. I agree with you. And it is exciting to do that. So. Uh, we're, we're thrilled by it, but again, it also brings brands in the opportunity for brands mm -hmm. to relate with the sports teams to their target audience as well. So it's really collectively through the mobile air platform, it's going to grow quite a community 
And as we go forward, it's exciting to see what's going to happen. Are you done with your pictures? Because I don't want you to break the internet again. I don't know if you have. <laughs> Do you have, any? We have to, man. Don't worry. There, yeah, I have. Uh, I have two more. So we'll we'll make this quick. So that way, if the internet does start to uh, to not work on us, I'll, I'll be a little disappointed. Um, so here's one. This one I'm really excited to talk a little bit about, especially because it was so recent and relevant. Absolutely. So. We had a stockholder who's been with us for years. And again, we're a public company for those looking seriously undervalued. The, uh, the company's called Imagine AR, both on the CSE and Canadian Stock Exchange and the US OTCQB under IPF, IPFNN, I think. I got to look it up again. Who would think? I always know the one in Canada. So he was friends with Stitch Duran. For those of people who are in sports, if they know UFC, MMA, boxing, Stitch Duran is probably the most renowned legend in the world of Cutman. He was in the Rocky movie. He was also in the Apollo Creed movies. So this stockholder knew him, and they kind of said, hey, Stitch just got caught in to work with Tyson Fury for the Wilder 2 fight, probably the biggest heavyweight championship in a decade. Would you like to get involved with it and promote it with him? And I knew Stitch from UFC. I've been a huge UFC fan for decades. So absolutely jumped on it. Stitch is well-known, pretty famous in his own right. So we did sponsor him, and right there, you can see our logo right there with him in the ring. But the fun thing we also did, besides being on his vest, which is pretty cool for a small company to be involved with, is we created a 3D Stitch Duran in AR, and I asked uh, Stitch if we could do a Stitch With Me contest, and we played Stitch everywhere in the United States, and then we placed him in the AR model, and we had a contest. Whoever had the best picture of Stitch in his 3D model in the United States, we would win a prize package directly from Stitch. You're doing well, Michael, on the, on the screens there. That's good. And there's Stitch in MGM with himself. We actually placed in the U.S., and he had a lot of fun with it with his daughter. He took a picture of himself with himself. But he could have danced. We could have put it into TikTok. But kind of a cool way to use AR where he's standing there looking at himself. And we, we had a great contest, and it, it was a lot of fun to do with him. And, again, he's not a young man, and he, he was pretty amazed by he with himself sitting in the AR version. So pretty cool to do that in one of the biggest heavyweight championship fights in the world. Uh, we had an amazing economic uh, deal to be there. Excited. And again, let's go full circle. Where did we start with when I started back in sports with the phone card? We started with the Muhammad Ali robe. So here we are sitting. And the small world, Michael, is that we were in Tyson Fury's camp, but Shelly Finkel is the manager of Wilder. So this is a picture... I, I'm from the back, and yes, we can, we can look at it. That is the actual Muhammad Ali robe that I wore and owned for a period of time and ended up selling it and to Shelly Finkel, and I met Shelly Finkel uh, through that. We had a lot of offers for that robe, but I did the transaction with him. Sweetheart of a guy, wonderful to talk to. We became very friendly, and, and he became my partner as we went forward in the phone card business, and it was for him. We wouldn't have done all the licenses and then ended up going public on NASDAQ. So that is it. Did not fill it out as well as Muhammad Ali, but that is the original robe that was in Zaire fight. It actually had custom tag inside from the Zaire government. And I told Michael, this is his exclusive. If he wants to blow Joe Rogan off, this is the actual robe that we had and was found uh, in a garbage bag uh, near where Malcolm X was shot in someone's apartment. And with that robe actually was the Quarry 2 fight robe that Muhammad Ali wore as well, as well as a pair of shoes. So it was quite an interesting find from the memorabilia world. And that began for, for you say, from where you begin for where you go from boxing. And, and we ended up in the Tyson Fury world, uh, how many decades later? So there you go. Again, man, thank you so much for all those pictures. And hopefully it does. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll check the, we'll check the tape afterwards and make sure it looks okay, Please. Anyone want course, to look at No, I'm look this up at imagine.com. Yes, I'll make sure to get all the notes. Everything will be, um, all the websites, everything will be in the show notes. Everyone can check it out, the app downloads, all that stuff. But Alan, this was absolutely fantastic. All the stories, the wisdom, all the insights. Sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Michael. Good luck. I told you, I expect you to have great things to happen in the future. You do a great job and we'd love to visit you. Maybe in the next six months, we'll have some new stories, new sports events we could discuss with you and, uh, and your fans yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Alan. As I said, just so interesting. 
so much cool stuff. Sports tech is so incredible. Technology itself is incredible, but I love when it's applied to the sports application of it. Please make sure to go follow Alan on all of his socials and Imagine AR socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please, please, please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening to us. Hopefully it's Apple. And if it's not Apple, then it's iTunes, which is also Apple. And if it's not one of them, I really hope it's Spotify. So I hope they make give me $100 million one day. But I really do appreciate your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. And I really do thank you for giving me some of yours. And I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yeah.